Welcome to our weekly three-minute therapy podcast with me, Dr. Michael Edelstein. I'm a clinical psychologist and Nick Berry, my partner, and we discuss REBT, Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, which is a groundbreaking approach to therapy. It was, at least, when Albert Ellis first formulated it in the 1950s, and now it's all the rage, and some therapists call it cognitive behavior therapy. And it means that our emotions come from our thinking about situations, not from situations themselves. And that's a very powerful idea because if you don't like the way you feel, then look to your thinking and see if you can change your thinking. And another main principle of REBT is that our disturbed emotions come from a particular type of thinking, and that's thinking in terms of demands. Must, should, supposed tos, have tos, demands we put on ourselves, I must do well and get approval, demands we put on others, you must treat me well, and demands we put on the conditions of uh, our lives. My life must be fair, easy, and hassle-free. And when we have those demands, we're going to disturb ourselves emotionally. Mick, did you want to add to that introduction? Uh, yeah, just that uh, REBT says that the dysfunctional thoughts are always a demand. Cognitive therapy identifies several different distorted or dysfunctional thoughts, but I do think all of the ones that cognitive therapy cites uh, can be placed under the larger category of demands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good point. And if you want to uh, read further about the differences between REBT and cognitive behavior therapy, just do a search on my article, Five Major Differences Between REBT and CBT, and you'll get a lot of information. Mick? Yeah, I just wanted to mention one in particular in cognitive therapy is emotional reasoning, thinking that your feelings are an indication of reality. That is something that REBT does, just states at the onset, and it's something to always consider. It's not something to identify, but something to always consider. Yeah. Question, question your feelings and question your thoughts. And if the thoughts are sound, they will hold up under scrutiny. Yeah, yeah. And the way to question your feelings is one question, what am I telling myself to create this feeling? And then is the feel, does the feeling, does my thinking, what I'm telling myself, stand up against the test of reality? And Michael, I often see people confusing feelings and thought. I often hear people say, I feel like such a loser. Well, they don't feel like, you can't feel like a loser. You can think that you are a loser, but you're feeling depressed or feeling anxious, but you can't feel like a loser because how does a loser feel? And there is no such thing as a loser anyway. Yes, yes. Usually when people say I feel like a loser, it means, as you said, they're telling themselves, I'm a loser. Yeah, and then yeah. They feel uh, bad about their total selves. Yeah. But today we were going to discuss 
uh, the recent Surgeon General's report on loneliness. The Surgeon General says it's an epidemic of loneliness, and by that he means a lack of social connection. But our approach to that is a lot more nuanced, and that is loneliness, lonely and loneliness are feelings. They're not situations. A lack of social connection is a situation. It's not a feeling. It's what you tell yourself about lacking social connection that leads to your feelings, especially feeling lonely. If you have a must or should there, I must be more connected to other people. I must not be alone. And then you'll feel lonely. Nick? Yeah, and I wanted to say uh, lack of social connection doesn't create loneliness just as social connection does not eliminate loneliness. It's possible to feel lonely in a room of 10 people when they're all your friends and everybody is telling you you're a great person and listening to you. It's still possible to feel lonely if you're telling yourself, I need 11 people, not just 10. This isn't enough. That's right. And also, uh, it's possible to be alone and be happy you're alone because there are advantages that some people find being alone. One is they find some people find it rejuvenating. Some people find that it enhances their own productivity and creativity because no one's around to interfere. I had a client some time ago who wanted to write a great novel, and he divested himself of all his friends so he could work practically 24 hours a day on his novel. So uh, he's a counterexample of how not having people around is necessarily detrimental and, um, and how uh, not having people around could be very helpful. Mick? And I, I, I'd like to define loneliness or at least attempt to define loneliness by it's an I find for me it's an experience of wanting to be with people and not being able to be with people late at night I'd like to talk to somebody there's nobody to talk to uh everybody is asleep I want to have somebody around I can't have somebody around right now therefore I feel lonely now that is not necessarily a bad experience as long as I'm telling myself I want to talk to somebody. I want somebody to be here, but I don't have to have somebody be here. There's nothing wrong with that or self-defeating about that at all. It becomes, loneliness becomes self-defeating. I think maybe, Michael, we could say self-helping loneliness and self-defeating loneliness. There are two types of loneliness then, and a self-defeating experience of loneliness would be telling myself, I have to have people here. I cannot stand not having people here. I want to talk to somebody. And because I want to talk to somebody, that means I have to talk to somebody. Yep. Yep. That's what people tell themselves when they create loneliness. Now, so, for, say, uh, just, just to finish this thought, for most people, uh, having a balance between being alone at times and being social at times uh, works best. But, you know, but if... Uh, one or the other of the extremes works best for you. That's great, too, as long as you don't put musts on it. Mick? 
Yeah, and I just wanted to say I do like my distinguishing between self-helping loneliness and self-defeating loneliness because self-helping loneliness, if I want to be with people and I cannot, then and I don't tell myself I have to right now, then I can do something about it to maybe fall in love, get married, and I've got somebody to spend a lot of time with or make more friends, have more friends who are available. So loneliness isn't even necessarily a negative thing. It can lead mm -hmm. us towards achieving some goals that we'd like to have. Yeah, and if you would like to, if you are feeling lonely and you don't want to feel lonely, you could use the ABCs of emotion, which is A. A is the activating event. I'm alone. B is I would like to have some friends around, and therefore I absolutely must. I have to. It's the end of the world if I don't. This proves I'm a loser, and then that leads to loneliness at sea. Mick, did you have any final things you'd like to say about this? Yeah, I just wanted to say that the experience of loneliness, I think, is very, very common. And I find for myself, it's very important to remember that it's good to recognize that, oh, I want to be with some people. I can't be with them now because I can have fun when people are around. And it's very easy to want to think, oh, I cannot stand ever being lonely. It's not necessarily, as I said before, a bad experience, though it can be very debilitating if we tell ourselves, I must have people around. And especially if we start rating ourselves, I'm a loser because I don't have people around or we're rating life. Life is no good because I don't have people around. What can we do to change things to get what we want without demanding that we have to have what we want. That's one thing RVT does promote desires, passions, things we want to have without demanding that we have them. Great, great. Thank you, Mick. And uh, so uh, what Mick is suggesting is an action step. So uh, if you're feeling lonely, in addition to getting rid of that must or should that's creating your loneliness, then you can take action and figure out how you can relate to people more, get out there and speak to people and suggest uh, speaking again with them, suggest getting together, and that could help the practical situation. Yes, get rid of the, get rid of the demand, keep the desire. Yeah. Principle. Yeah. Great, great. Great. Well, thanks, Mick, for uh, your partnership here. Uh, for another great podcast. And thank you, Chris Rossini, our tech engineer, for uh, the technical part of this operation. And comment below if you have thoughts about alone, loneliness, the Surgeon General's thoughts about it. Give us a thumbs up if you enjoyed this. Suggest subjects for future podcasts. Volunteer to be a guest. And um, uh, so to remind you once again, uh, we're with Mick Berry. I'm Dr. Michael Edelstein, a clinical psychologist. If you're struggling with problems, feel free to contact me. Uh, I have a website, 
3minutetherapy.com. Did you have contact information, Mick? Uh, yeah, if you want to contact me, it's mick.berry at comcast.net. Send me an right. email. And subscribe to the 3 Minute Therapy podcast to stay on the rational side of life.